Hey, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast, Social Skills for Dummies. It's the voice of the podcast, Dallas. And um, today in this episode, I want to talk about to you something like a mindset shift that helped me, you know, be better socially or, or, or transform my social skills. Um, this is a mindset shift that I kind of stepped into last summer based on some of the history I had as a sportsman. And so, um, yeah, stay tuned for this episode. It's something that's going to blow your mind. Um, before I get into this episode, I do want to say, man, I have a free class happening on February 4th. There are only 25 spots left. And so if you're interested in taking that free class, I know a lot of people didn't take the free class. Well, well the one-on-one session before, you know, because I do it with the paid clients and they usually have their camera off because it's super intimate. It's super on the spot. And, you know, for some reason in society, learning social skills is kind of a taboo thing. It's kind of hard to discuss. Um, you know, it kind of feels wrong. Uh, and so, you know, if you want to take the class because it's more diffusion, it's like it's more people, um, you know, just take the class. You know, I would, I would look, I would, I would. I would be happy to have you, you know, um, one of the things I want to say about avoidant men, um, let me actually look up the definition of an avoidant man. Um, one of the, one of the things you'll know, you're avoidant men. Most men are introverted because they have this avoidant style of attachment since childhood, which essentially means they avoid love. Um, but avoidant men, like I'm reading on Google are extremely independent. So you're probably like independent. You're probably a lone wolf. Um, you're probably super smart, abstract, you know, capable of abstract thought at a high level. Um, you have these big goals in your life where you want to accomplish something. Let me go back to reading on the Google. Um, you're self-directed and you're often uncomfortable with intimacy. And people think about intimacy in a romantic way. Um, and I was avoided in a relationship for years. Um, and so the uncomfortable with intimacy part is it, 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 it can play tricks on your mind. Like, um, when you really think about the definition of it, that that could even mean like you're uncomfortable being around family. You're comfortable being on one on one calls and conversations. You're uncomfortable facing, um, let's say, uh, you know, workers at a store once they get to know you, once they get to love you and things like that. And so um, uh, let me look at the definition avoidant attachment definition. Is attachment style child develop when their parent or caretaker doesn't show care or responsiveness uh, past providing essential details like food and shelter. This child disregards their own struggles and needs in order to maintain peace and keep their caregiver close. Um, I don't know if that was necessarily relevant to the episode, but essentially avoidance are people who avoid love. They avoid intimacy. Um, and one thing I want to say about that is, you know, it, it applies to all areas of life. You know, um, as a young avoidant man, what you'll probably do is you'll probably project your you know your love your companionship your community into the future where you accomplish some big goal or i'll be able to indulge in the women i like in in the communities i like or w like whatever i like people will love me and be around me but first i got to do this big thing in the future and because you're an avoidant uh you self-sabotage in every area of your life i want to emphasize this i know it's not necessarily germane to the podcast episode but i want to emphasize this because this is an important theme um, the same way you see like a young lady across the room um, and you free like instantly your brain kicks up negative chemicals like it's completely backwards. You see something you want. You see they want you. Your brain kicks up negative chemicals. It self-sabotages you. It kicks up chemicals to stop you from actually getting the love, getting the intimacy, getting the connection that you want. You notice that theme. Like why if your brain sees reward would it send you bad chemicals? It doesn't make any sense. Your brain is self-sabotaging. You're self-sabotaging your success. Your brain is trying to jam you up. And so, in essence, your brain is your worst enemy. You see a business partner. Your brain gets nervous and anxious. Like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's completely opposite as a fact. As a matter of fact. 
I mean, it comes from this avoidant attachment. And so similarly, I want to say one of the things, one of the traps that avoidant attachment young men, they fall into is they fall into what's called learning loops. Like they're like, like super lifetime learners. They're like, they're learning loops. Um, you have a career or some big goal that you want to accomplish and you, you view that career. It's probably easier to get there than you think as, as the moment, the milestone in your life, your, your ultimate success. You'll be driven by the success and independence. And you think when you reach there, you'll get all this love and acceptance. And you might. That's the thing you might. But, and, and you might not. But since your brain recognizes that, like, okay, if I get here, I'll reach a certain level of success, a certain level of intimacy, a certain level of community or connection. I just knocked the microphone over my bed. Um, what your brain essentially does, it'll view that opportunity as intimacy. It'll view the opportunity as your ability to be loved. And it'll begin self-sabotaging you therefore. And so it'll see this big opportunity and this, this uh, to get love, to get connection, to get community once you accomplish something and you're renowned for it. Um, and essentially what your brain will do is that it'll do little small tiny things that, you know, it casts the illusion of progress. But it's actually not getting you nowhere in order to keep you away from, keep you avoidant. Of that love that the opportunity that represents love connection community all these different things and so one of the things that you know avoiding men will do is go into learning loops we are super 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 learners and so one of the things is that you know learning is, is great but learning is not progress in itself so you'll go on youtube and learn so you'll become an expert in your topic like me I was, i'm an expert in marketing you know uh you'll become an expert in like social skills or pickup you become an expert in all these different things but one of the things that you'll do is that you'll, because, you know, there's a release of dopamine in the process of learning itself. You can say, oh, I'm smart. I've learned a lot. I'm superior to other people. Therefore, um, but you don't actually get nowhere just learning things. You have to act. You have to build partners. You have to go out and actually partake in the adventure and the endeavor in which you're learning about. Okay. And so your brain, what is it doing? It's making it feel like you're progressing, but because you're actually avoiding of your actual main goal, you'll be stuck in a learning loop. You'll keep learning and learning and learning and learning because your brain wants to, yeah, you're, you're progressing, you're progressing when you're actually not because you're not taking action. And so with that, I want to say break free from the learning loop. Don't just keep learning. Let me guide you step by step and actually hold your feet to your fire and make you act. So go and sign up for the free class on February 4th. Now, it was a long-winded little, little self-promotion. But it's super important. It's a lot of information and I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to go that to go to your head. Stop learning things. This year... Unless you're like, no, stop learning things. Just stop learning things and start trying things. Start acting on things. Start experiencing uh, life in the depths of the source of experience. I'm kind of leaning back, so if I sound kind of breathy, um, it's because I'm not being able to take a full breath. I have a laptop on my chest, and I'm, I'm leaning back. I'm in bed, okay? Um, but what this episode essentially is about is that um, every day is practice. That's one of the things I want to say, man. I remember uh, at the wrestling tournaments last year. Well, um, last year. I'm a lot older now. I'm 25. Um, at the wrestling tournaments in um, 2014, I believe it was my junior year. I failed off my junior year because my parents were going back and forth, and it was a lot going on in my life um, beyond that as well. Um, it was one of the most terrifying, sleep-deprived, food-deprived years of my life. I was losing weight. I looked crazy. Ironically, just because of the journey that I've been on, I think I weigh a little less now. <laughs> I'm weighing in at 52.1 right now. I'm about six feet. I'm really like 5'11 and 3 quarters, I think, but I'm not really sure. Um, you know, uh, and so I remember uh, I showed up to the, the regional tournament that year. I failed off, and I just showed up to the regional tournament to support my teammates. And I remember I met this wrestler named Gerard, and he was a final. He was he was a phenomenal wrestler. He was a great wrestler. 
uh, and he actually, uh, we were we were in the corner during the regional tournaments. Uh, we met each other. I don't remember how. I guess our coach introduced us, and we were in the corner uh, of the tournament, just showing each other different moves and things like that um, that we knew. Um, I showed him like the Jones roll, and I don't I don't remember what he showed me, but you know he was this short, stout, quick wrestler, and he was in my weight class, or he was weight class above. He was fifty two, and I don't know. Yeah, he was fifty two. He was just. He was just excellent. I loved wrestling with him, and he went on that night actually to go and win on win the regional tournament, um, which was the coolest thing in the world. And so we left the regional tournament. I didn't think much of it. Next year I come back, and obviously I start the year at a higher weight class. You know, um, I started we we're at fifty two, and I, I go down to forty seven. And so, um, but at the at the beginning of the weight year, at the beginning of the year, uh, we all, we all have this tournament called the. Parkfield Nightmare Invitational, um, which was the school that I was zoned for. And so I cut down to 52, and we're in the same weight class for this tournament. Um, and so me and Gerard, we go to this tournament, um, and we're wrestling. We, we're killing everybody in our weight class. And then we meet. Um, and in that match, man, I, 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 I wrestled really hard. I wrestled really hard, and I won I won the match pretty solidly, I think. You know, I think he might have been going through some, some things that day, like he might have been sick or something like that. Um... I can almost say for certain there was something different about him, something wrong. I think he told me he was sick, you know, um, because he he's a he's a he's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler. I'm just using him for a, for an example, but it's no doubt on his best day he was just as good, if, if not better, than I was. He was a phenomenal wrestler, and I know this. So, you know, I want to continue the story, but you know, so I beat him that day, um, and neither one of us actually won the tournament. I ended up placing fourth at that tournament or something like that. Um, I lost to another wrestler named. Uh, I lost to one wrestler named Eric Robertson, and I lost another wrestler named Nick Nick Malinowski, uh, or Nate Malinowski. I think they were twins or something like that, or brothers. It wasn't the boys' lad. Um, and so, from there, you know, we just go about our day as it's whatever. Um, later down the season, um, Gerard and his company, I believe he went to either Patapsco or Chesapeake. Um, they were invited to our school for practice, um, and I remember being in a practice room. Uh, just training, you know, uh, we, you know, coach invited them over because, you know, we were we were good enough to the point where we were better than most of the people in our, well, we were better than everybody in our, our wrestling room, respective wrestling rooms, and so we would actually get a little worse throughout the season because we had no one to sharpen us up. We had iron sharpens iron, we had no one to sharpen us up. So he, our coaches invited each other, invited us to each other's practice so we could actually sharpen up and become better wrestlers. And at that point in time, we were in different weight classes. I was at 47. I believe he was still at 52. And so me and Gerard were wrestling in in in, in the wrestling room. And man, I tell you what, I could not score a single takedown on him. You know, I, I could I couldn't do anything with that man. Like he was just he was just you know, not, not only had he performed you know went back to proper health, but you know the atmosphere of a tournament was it was dissipated. And so he was at his he was at his very peak, and he was just he was phenomenal. Um, man, I couldn't, I couldn't find, I couldn't find a way around it. You know what I mean? He was just, he was just such a great wrestler and I just, I couldn't score. I couldn't escape. Like he, he just held, he had me dead to rights. Um, and it was something that occurred in my mind, uh, that not only that was, you know, pertinent to him, but, it, but myself as well, you know, all, all sportsmen, all athletes, man, if you took the version of me in the wrestling room and took him to States, the practice version of me and took him to States. He would be the most phenomenal. I would win states. I would probably win states. Um, now I can't say that definitively because there are phenomenal wrestlers in states, people who wrestled all their lives. But I would be, I would be in the running for sure. Um, you know, because for, you know, for whatever reason in wrestling, like or any any sport, when you're in the practice room, where they, when you feel like there's no pressure, when you feel like this is just a realm for complete artistic creation, 
um, with no judgment, you perform at such a high level. You can get in the zone so much easier. You flow the moves and combinations, um, you know, just flawlessly. And I think the reason is because there's nothing at stake. You know, um, your trauma doesn't really kick in until it's like, oh, I'll gain love, I'll gain intimacy, I'll gain connection and community from this activity. That's when your, you know, that's when your inhibitions kick in and it kind of slow down your creativity. They kind of slow down your, your state. They kind of slow down your ability to flow from move to move and get the job done. Um, and that's one of the mentalities that I wish that I had because your future projecting now and the weight of the future is enough to slow you down. Ooh, that's a bar. Um, you know, uh, you know, so when you're in practice, you're just in the moment, you're just in the zone, you're just present, and you're able to be that much more of a great athlete. Like so much of us, so many of us will be champions, so much of us will have flawless records if we just wrestled the way we did in practice. Um, and, and not only that, practice, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little later. And so, what I wanted to communicate to you is that if I were to go back to be a wrestler, um, everything would be practice. And you know why? This is the thing why. Because none of it really matters at the end of the day. Um, you now, I'd be a liar if I said there are moments in wrestling that I didn't look back on and wish I could have seized that moment a little better. But ultimately, the emotions of it are, are kind of muted as time goes on. It's like, oh, that was high school. I did great things. Um, and now it's over. You don't feel anything from it. There's no reward or consequence from a lot of the things that we did. Now, obviously, the reward in itself is in itself, is in the action itself, is in the emotion itself, is in the growth. But you'll get that regardless. But in terms of outcomes, there's no reward from it. You know, there's no pride. Like, you, you can only squeeze but so much juice from the memories we have. And so everything you've done in the past is really insignificant. And so that being said, you know, everything in essence was practice. You know, because the outcome of practice doesn't matter. So you wrestle like a superstar practice. But you think the outcome of this state's tournament or this regional tournament. I want a regional title. I can tell you, like, it doesn't really do much for me right now emotionally like pride like it doesn't really fuel me right now and so why not if i could just if i could just go back why not take the regional finals or the state tournament or the county finals like practice and just rest with my best because i know it won't mean anything you know and so with that metaphor i say that to say this you know um you have to take everything in life like practice because think about your last job. Think about the last girl you liked, the last friend you had, the last community that you were part of. How far removed are you from those memories right now? How much of an emotional hold do they have on you right now? If you're in extreme lack, extreme deficit, you don't have abundance in your life, they probably have a big hold on you. I, albeit that can happen. But if you're in a completely sound and healthy place, probably not right. Now, so how those memories, they have no hold on your life or no bearing to how you feel or how you move or your sense of direction, or your sense of being. Couldn't you have done anything in those moments? Couldn't you have performed at your highest and the result would be the same? You might have gotten a reward from it that last long, but if you didn't, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. You'd be still in the same spot. You would just have performed at your best. You would have just grown more. And so... In essence, those situations, I want to use them as a microcosm. I want to use them as a small example of everything in life. Every step along the journey is practice. I was telling my, I was talking to my homeboy Byron about that last summer. Like, these people in here, these girls in here, these boys in here, they're going to be here, then they'll be gone. In 10 years from now, you're really not going to think about them. In 10 years from now, you're just going to look back on like the days like, oh, remember we were young and we were just playing around in California. We were bankers at a casino. Remember that little funny time? 
Oh, remember you said that one thing. Remember you did that one thing. But it would just be humor. It would just be a fond memory. And so everything that you're doing right now in life, though it seems like there's a stake, and so your future projection and it's kicking up your inhibitions, there seems like there's something that you can get out of it. There seems there's something that you can win at the end of the day that'll last. Likely none of it will last. That was the mindset shift I had, had last summer. And so essentially everything that you're doing right now is practice. It's just practice. And if you really let it sink in that it's just practice, then you could perform at your highest. That's all it is. It's just it's just fun. It doesn't mean anything. The result is probably not significant. It will never lead somewhere or add up to anything. And so I want you to just give yourself permission to really just view every step of your life like practice. Everything that you do, it, like I said, there's probably nothing to gain and probably no result. Just have fun. Let yourself go. And ironically, if you let yourself go and view these things as practice, then you'll be able to perform at a high level and actually get the results that you want out of the long term. Even though in the long term you probably won't want them. Only Cook talked about this. That's one of the funniest things he's experienced. It's like, you know, when you when you 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 put you set your sights on something, um, and and um, you'll want for it so badly, but the moment you let go and start to see things as practice, start to perform, you start to get those things. You start to realize, oh, you don't want them in the first place. You know, um, for me, like. You know, I, it's no easy way to say this, but I feel like I know definitively in my life I can have almost anything I want. That's just that's just that's just how I live right now. You know, um, I can have almost anything I want. You know, and 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 that's the truth of the matter. And and it doesn't make me happy. Attention doesn't make me happy. I don't really want it. I don't really care for it. I don't really. It's just there. It's just a fact of life, like anything else. Um. And it's there in full abundance. But until you start taking things as practice, it won't be there. And you won't realize the insignificance of these results. You have to take these moments like practice. You know. Furthermore, I want you to take these moments like practice. As in, give yourself the ability to realize there's no final results. There's no, there's no conclusion. I guess it's kind of building on last episode um, with outcome independence. But I want you to take it, take it as practice in a sense like... You're sharpening your axe for a real moment that's coming up. And I want you to take that real moment, the big moment, as practice as well. But you also have to realize, I always say this, man. You have to be in this generation. You have to be mentally sharp. You cannot be mentally lazy. You have to take off the horse blinders. You have to be able to move, think laterally. You have to be able to think with extreme extraction, creativity, um, and skill. And so I want you to view all these moments as practice. And the reason why is this. Because, it, because, because... Because you don't realize it now, but they, they truly are. They are just stepping stones. And I mean that in this way. So a lot of people, they fall in love or they get a friend or whatever the hell with the people who are most immediate to them. But you're not accounting for the person that you become in five years. You're not accounting for the person that you become in four years. You're not accounting for the life that you actually want. A lot of guys, they're determining, you know, the system for determining whether somebody should be with them or not is, oh, I like this person. Well, not I like this person. It's not even that. It's, oh, this person likes me. Oh, this person gives me a, a hit of dopamine. But as you grow on, as you take things as practice, as you begin to sharpen up, your system for who qualifies for you is going to change and going to evolve and going to develop. And so I want you to think long and hard. What are the odds? What really are the odds? And that's why this is practice. Look at everyone around you. Really evaluate them, not through the not through the lens of oh this person gives me dopamine, I'm gonna lack, I need that. Look at everybody through the lens of who they really are. Now think to yourself, 
what is the quality I ha- person that I want to be around, and what are they are and are they present in front of me? What is that person really like at the end of the day? If you are able to evaluate what people are like really around you, you realize this is really practice. What are the odds that your dream girl or your dream friend or your dream social circle, whatever, is right here, right in front of you right now with you just serendipitously, your soulmate just serendipitously, she's not rich or traveling the world or extremely intelligent in a big institution or doing something with a great purpose, a great mission. And that does not define whether you should love somebody or not. Take note, that does not define whether you should love somebody or not. People are not currency. People are not transactions. But... The person that you love, for whatever reason you love them, there's probably an alternative version of that person that you love and is also more compatible for your life as well. Or that you truly love. Out of 8 billion people, what is the odds that your person just happens to be right here, right now? Making $10 an hour or 15 or $20 an hour at this job, doing the bare minimum for, for their life, for your life, for your attention. for like like What, is, what, are, what are the odds? Is your brain just playing tricks on you? Is your brain making you fall in love with practice? Now, I'm not calling a person practice, but I'm calling the everyday routines and the motions practice. Are they making you take this life that you're living serious? Because this is not your final life and this is not your final form. This is not the stage where you'll run into these people. Am I making sense? The Everything that's in front of you is just practice. You know, um... When you get to where you're going, your standards are going to be so high, you'll, you'll, you'll look back and realize, why did I take any of this seriously at all? And so I want you to take it as practice and, like I said, give yourself the freedom to be abstract and be yourself because none of it really matters and no one will remember you. Most of these people probably won't remember you. You know, as dynamic of a person as I am, people still forget my name. They, they, they still ask, like, like, what is your name? Like, they look at my name tag. I literally, like... I don't know. I'm, I'm like a cartoon almost sometimes. And people don't know my name. People won't remember you. You know, you won't remember them. The every, nothing that you do, the net effect is zero. It does not count. And so feel free to do whatever you like within reason. Obviously, don't. I, I hate that I have to say this, but you do have to say this. Don't harm anybody. Don't do anything that makes anybody feel weird or uncomfortable. Don't. In terms of being a person, in terms of self-expression, being your artistic true self, no one will remember it. And so there's a freedom from the outcome when you realize there is no outcome. And, I, and let me get to the second point. Is I want you to take it in practices and really work in that abstract sandbox. Really work to find your limitations. Work to find your highest self right now. Because in the future... Maybe someday you'll take that moment as practice too, but maybe someday it will be significant. Maybe someday it will matter. Maybe someday you will bump into the person that won't stop running through your mind. And you have to be sharp. Owen Cook always says when you bump into the you know the person of your dreams, it'll just be like, eh, okay. Because you're so rehearsed, because you're so practiced, so and you're so in the mindset of band practice. And I say that to say, you know, it's like the metaphor. You go and you sharpen the axe for five hours, you chop you know, if you want to chop down a tree. Sharpen your axe for five di- for six, in six hours. Go sharpen your axe for five hours. You want to sharpen your axe. There's so many wrestlers. They get on the mat, and they they wrestle me or they wrestle someone else that's actually experienced and skilled, and they wrestle like so so for five minutes and thirty seconds. The wrestling matches six minutes so they wrestle so so for five minutes and fifty seconds, and then in the last six they just try to go crazy. They try to throw out the kitchen seats. They expound all their energy, and you know what? That never works. That never works. 
Because victory does not happen when you're in a state of throwing things at the kitchen sink. You're in a state of desperation. Victory happens when you've rehearsed the action and you're detached from the outcome. And you have complete artistic ability to flow and get things accomplished. That's why, and I can say this as a winner, I won a lot. I win a lot every day. I don't win financially, lol, but I win a lot every day. And it's, 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 it's so much a fact of life, it's almost just a default state. And the reason why is because of the, it's because of the formula that I just showed you. The formula that I just talked about. You have to have freedom to result. And you have to have reverse, rehearsed that skill. And so, don't be the wrestler that when you finally see that person, you just kind of spaz out and that's your last 10 seconds. And you missed the opportunity. It goes by forever. And you have to think about the one that got away. Be the wrestler who takes who practices. So, you're in this creative sandbox You right now. You realize you can do whatever you can do. Find your limitations. Build your skills. Build yourself up by being yourself. Exercise being your highest self. Exercising using differentiation. Exercise qualifying other people and not qualifying to other people. Over and over and over and over and over again. Because you realize that one day you'll be in a situation where you have to utilize these skills. So, now when you get to that situation, when you get to an actual match, you're an experienced wrestler. Stop not learning because you think every day is a match when it's not. And you're spazzing out in every 10 seconds like it's a match when it's not. You have to view long term. It's one of the biggest differences between rich people and poor people, they say, is how long term they think. Now, there's a whole deep conversation behind that and we're not getting into that. But you, I want you to start thinking long term about your life. Especially because I just know for facts. A lot of you listening to this podcast, you're like 22. You're like 23. You're like 19. You're probably younger than me. You probably think I'm old. So, um, which, you're right. I am old. <laughs> but that's besides the fact. Even if, no, matter of fact, a lot of the paid clients that I took on were like 25. The last guy was 25. The guy before that was 26. So maybe you're older than me. But it doesn't matter. You're not old. I'm old because I'm 25. But you're not old. You have such an infinite expanse of time to work with yourself. So this is practice. Take it as practice. It's not time to perform just yet. This is Dallas. This is Social Skills for Dummies. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I do want to say I want you on that free class. Don't be caught in a learning loop. Don't let your mind play tricks on you anymore. I want you to write down a list of the ways your mind plays tricks on you. And then stop letting it play tricks on you. You have to pull the trigger. You have to take action. It's 2023. It's still January. You still have time. I hate when people don't set resolutions. Because the holiday, they say, why would I set resolutions? I should do that all year round. Yeah, but the holidays, really, at the end of the year, end of every quarter is the point where you reflect. And I hope at the end of the year, at the final final quarter, you reflected enough to learn something new about yourself to set a new goal. So, with that being said, my girlfriend's calling me. And someone could be calling you too. But you have to work hard. You have to take this seriously. You have to go balls to the wall. Take your success seriously. Don't be lazy about it. Don't wait till the match to spaz and then watch the person go by. I want to see you in that free class. I want to see you listen to this podcast. I know you're shy and the free class might be hard for you. It's no excuses in my book. But I want you to take the information you're learning here at the very least and implement it every day. I want at the end of the year, I want you to call me. I want you to call me at the end of the year. And I want you to tell me. I want you to get on a one-on-one at the end of the year. I want you to get on a free class at the end of the year. And tell me how much this changed you. Because you actually took it seriously. Because you didn't joke about it. Because you didn't think it was funny. 
because you actually put your feet to the fire and you decided to become somebody different because you hated who you were right now. I'm done, man. Thank you.